0: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And Network. Network.
1: Hey, welcome to Wise Guys, these guys know sports. Here live on this Thursday, February the 2nd. Hey, everybody, go up for the wise guys on Twitter at wise guys underscore h. Also on Facebook, wise guys. Let me show you follow the wise guys on Instagram. At these guys know sports. Come on in and sit a while, folks. Another action jam packed show in the house with your boy Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Podcast. That's a big time topic. Something we're gonna talk about tonight. We're gonna talk about the AFC Championship and NFC Championship. Both wins for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. So we got the Super Bowl next Sunday in Arizona. It's Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts. It's the Eagles. It's the Chiefs for who's going to win the Super Bowl this year. The Andy Reid Super Bowl. So excited about that. Also, the Kelsey Bowl because we got the Kelsey brothers facing off against one another as well. So great, great NFL championship weekend this past weekend. So we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Also, I'm going to discuss the Houston Texans hiring D'Amico Ryans, former defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers and the Denver Broncos hiring Sean Payton and bringing him into Denver as their new head football coach. So, so many things I'm going to get into tonight. The number to dial is 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any particular topic that you want to discuss, Come to the show. We can talk about it. On the show tonight, and it's going to be a great show. So, so definitely tune in. But we begin in the NFL as Tom Brady has announced his retirement. Ladies and gentlemen, the seven-time champion took to Instagram to announce his retirement. Take a listen.
2: Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring My competitors, Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing.
1: Love you all. That was Tom Brady announcing his retirement yesterday morning on Instagram. And honestly, my initial reaction, listening to Tom Brady announce his retirement, My initial reaction was, I believe that this was legit retirement from Tom Brady. I believe this announcement is real, and listening to that video and hearing how emotional Tom Brady got when he delivered that video, I believe that you got to take Tom Brady serious this time. Remember, it was just a year ago. February 1st, 2022, when Tom Brady announced that he was going to retire and he was done with football, and not even a month and a half later, Tom Brady decided to come back to play football, and when he announced it last year, a lot of people didn't believe him, including myself. Most people said, like, that doesn't sound sincere you know it seems like it's, it's it's he got one more year in him to play we just didn't believe it we know how much tom brady loves the game of football and honestly when i when i look at kobe god rest his soul as much as kobe bryant loved basketball that's how much tom brady loves football so obviously last year when he announced that retirement the same exact date except it was a year later this time but when he announced it last year most people didn't believe him and so this time it felt sincere it, it felt raw and it was very very emotional for Tom Brady as he had talked about retiring and thanked all the people in the sport that he was able to connect with and you know I just think at this point for Tom Brady I, I felt like last year he went through so many things on and off the field. We know off the field, he, he, him and Giselle, they, their marriage, they, they got a divorce. And, you know, when you are a a family man, when you are a husband and you used to your family being in the household every day and being able to see your children and having that taken away from you. I know that's something that is very, very hard. And I'm not even a husband. And, I'm not, you know, in that type of, I'm not in that type of framework yet in my life, but I can only imagine what Tom Brady was going through last year, you know, like being being there with, you know, with his football team, but going through the things he was going through off the field, they said he had lost weight, and I felt like it was just a tough, tough year this past year for Tom Brady, and again, going through the the divorce with his wife and Not being able to see his children every day is something that he was going through that was a very, very difficult time in his life. And so I thought last year with some of his play, I thought it was because of his struggles off the field. Now, last year, Tom Brady still was able to have a good season. 25 touchdowns last year. Nine interceptions. 4,694 passing yards, completing 67% of his passes. That's what he was able to do last year, but he wasn't consistent. He brought the Buccaneers back a lot last year in late game situations, but we didn't see that elite Tom Brady that we were accustomed to seeing for the duration of a football game. So I thought last year overall, That Buccaneers football team, they weren't very good. They were inconsistent overall as a football team. Offensively, they couldn't run the football at all. And they just struggled overall as an offense. And that defense wasn't the same defense last year than what it was in previous years with Tom Brady as their quarterback. And so I thought he struggled on the field. But there were times in late game situations where he was able to uplift this Buccaneers football team and they won some games but they got to the playoff game against the Cowboys on Monday night football and they got blown out and honestly you know watching Tom Brady that night seeing how he was competitive in the final six seven minutes of a blowout it was obviously something that we didn't know at the time but I think Tom Brady knew he knew that This might be it, and that might be his last game. That's why you saw him be so competitive. I mean, he's competitive because he's Tom Brady, but he he was very, very emotionally invested in a game where the Buccaneers were getting thoroughly outplayed by the Dallas Cowboys in the wild card round of the playoffs. But when you look at what Tom Brady has been able to do in his career, I, I mean, the numbers are insane what Tom Brady has been able to do in his career. Obviously a seven-time champion, five-time Super Bowl NFL MVP, three-time NFL MVP. He's the all-time leader in quarterback wins, passing yards, passing touchdowns. And I thought this was an interesting stat as well because it kind of highlights how great Tom Brady was as a quarterback. This is the New England Patriots organization. This is the 20 years before Tom Brady. They won 47% of their games. They were 0-2 in the Super Bowl. Three division titles and six 10-win seasons. He was a great, great quarterback for that franchise. And it's crazy because we talk about a lot when it comes to Tom Brady. I look at his career and I break his career up into three different parts. In the early part of his career, when many people called him a game manager, that's when you had defensive players like Richard Seymour, Teddy Bruschi on their team. That was like the early part of his career. But when you look at the numbers, during that part of his career, he was still great. This was Tom Brady in his 20s. He had 21,564 passing yards, 147 Touchdown passes, three Super Bowl wins. You fast-forward to him in his 30s, and this is when you had the likes of Randy Moss on his football team. Defensively, you had Rodney Harrison on the team. Uh, Rod Mikovich, the defensive uh, lineman that was on the team. He's the analyst now for Get Up. And in his 30s, Tom Brady had 40,000. And 18 passing yards, 309 touchdown passes, two Super Bowl wins. You fast forward to Tom Brady in his 40s. This includes the three seasons that he played in Tampa 27,632 passing yards, 193 touchdown passes, two Super Bowl wins. He was a Hall of Fame quarterback. In each decade of his career. In his 20s, he was a Hall of Fame quarterback. In his 30s, he was a Hall of Fame quarterback. In his 40s, he was also a Hall of Fame quarterback. The man made the playoffs in 20 of his 21 seasons as a starter. So, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves how great Tom Brady was. and You look at what he was able to do in the Super Bowl compared to some other greats. Tom Brady in the Super Bowl was 7-3. He had 304 passing yards per game in the Super Bowl, 21 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Now, the other quarterback who many people believe is the GOAT or, you know, is in the conversation with Tom Brady as being the GOAT is Joe Montana. Now, Joe Montana in the Super Bowl, he was 4-0 averaged 286 passing yards per game, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. So, you know, most people believe Brady and Montana are 1A and 1B when it comes to the GOAT conversation. But, I mean, it is undeniable how great Tom Brady was in big games. I mean, whenever the, the, the New England Patriots were trailing late in games, you always knew that Tom Brady had the ability to overcome any deficit And the Patriots could win the football game. Case in point, in the 2017 NFL Super Bowl, it was the Patriots versus the Falcons. It's Brady versus Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons, they go up 28-3 to over Brady and the Patriots. The entire city of Atlanta is going crazy. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm here in Cincinnati. And I never forget. I was at Park Place Restaurant in Forest Park. I had a Super Bowl party that year, and I'm thinking, thinking like, man, the way the Falcons are playing, they' are about to win the Super Bowl. I'm about to go down to Atlanta and have some fun. You know, it's gonna be fun down there in the city of Atlanta. Ti Jermaine Dupree. I mean, bad. I mean, the the list goes on and on. How I many celebrities are down there and 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 you know, rappers and athletes down there i was going i was like man i'm about to go down to atlanta have some fun it's 28 to 3 and tom brady overcame a 28 to 3 deficit and beat matt ryan in the atlanta falcons that was the year when matt ryan won his one and only nfl mvp they had Kyle shanahan on that coaching staff they were coached by dan quinn and tom brady put on a sensational performance in the second half of that Super Bowl. That probably was my most memorable moment of Tom Brady. He got so many, but that's the one that really, really, really sticks out above everything else. That that 28-3 deficit, the way he was able to come back and wheel his football team in the second half of that game, uh, it was nothing short of sensational by Tom Brady. Then that one year where they almost went undefeated, With Randy Moss, they came up short in the Super Bowl. So Tom Brady did lose to Eli Manning twice in the Super Bowl. Other than that, Tom Brady could have won nine Super Bowls. But shout out to Tom Brady on an amazing, amazing career. I think this time Tom Brady will remain retired. We heard a lot of rumors about the possibility of Brady going and playing with the Las Vegas Raiders or possibly going out west and going home and playing with the San Francisco 49ers. But I believe that Tom Brady wanted to let it be known early in the you know, early in his offseason that he doesn't no longer want to play. And I think that we really, really underestimated what he was going through last year during the season and, and and stuff like that. And I think now if you're Tom Brady, it's time for Tom Brady to go spend time with his kids. And it's time for Tom Brady to go and and, and drink a beer at the bar. One or two beers, you know, pick up some weight. You know, he's has, he has a big-time contract from Fox to still be around football. So I think those are the things that Tom Brady has to look forward to next. But it's time for Tom Brady to, to, to definitely go into that next phase of life. And a lot of times for athletes, it's hard. It's hard for athletes to retire and think about what's next. This is a very, very, very hard thing to do for athletes. So that's the next step for Tom Brady. But Tom Brady was never as talented as Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. But Tom Brady, his leadership was the best I've ever seen. He's the greatest leader in NFL history. And players, they want to run through a brick wall for Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady, he motivates you. His commitment to greatness is is like no other. It was all about winning Super Bowls for TB12. That's what it was all about. Seriously. Like, and again, the impact that he's had on teammates and coaches and in that Patriots organization alongside Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft. He goes to Tampa Bay. And he changes that culture down there in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They they love playing for Tom Brady. And the last three years, the only reason why we've been talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is because of Tom Brady. So uh, again, the the greatest leader in NFL history retires and calls it a career. So shout out to, Tom Brady and what he's going to do next. Looking forward to seeing him in the booth with Fox. Everybody, go and follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore h. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow the Wise Guys on Instagram. At These guys know sports. Coming up the break, I'm going to discuss the Denver Broncos hiring Sean Payton as their new head coach. I'll be right back.
0: It is the World Wide Sports Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the World Wise Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. You should follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513 203 it's number to Dow. Action Jam show ahead. We're going to talk about AFC Championship and the NFC Championship here in a bit. In the NBA, it was a rough, rough week for the officiating in the NBA. So I'm going to talk about that as well here in a bit. Let's transition back to Denver. And let's talk about the Denver Broncos as the Denver Broncos. They agreed to terms with Sean Payton as their new head coach. So the New Orleans Saints, they receive the Denver Broncos 2023 first round pick and the Broncos second round pick for 2024. The Broncos, they get Sean Payton and they also get the Saints third round pick for 2024. So when I look at this move for the, Denver Broncos, I believe that this was a home run hire by the Denver Broncos. I look at Sean Payton and what Sean Payton has been able to accomplish since he's been a head coach in the NFL. Sean Payton, his career record as a head coach, 161-97. He's won 62% of his games. That includes the regular season and the postseason. And when I look at the best coaches and the most proven coaches in the NFL, I think about Bill Belichick. I think about Mike Tomlin. I think about Andy Reid. I also think about Sean Payton. You look at Sean Payton since he's been a head coach in New Orleans. Remember when Drew Brees was in San Diego, When he got traded to New Orleans, people had questions about Drew Brees. People didn't know if Drew Brees was a franchise quarterback, and they didn't know if the Saints were going to be able to win with Drew Brees. And all those years in New Orleans when Drew Brees had the New Orleans Saints contending in the NFC South, contending in the NFC overall, It wasn't just because of Drew Brees. It was also because of the greatness of Sean Payton as a head coach and how he's able to connect with his quarterbacks. We know that Drew Brees is an all-time great. We know Drew Brees and Sean Payton, they won the Super Bowl in 2009. Drew Brees beat Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl that year. And Drew Brees is an all-time great. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. He's broken a lot of records in the history books. But even after Drew Brees, I look at what he was able to do with Jameis Winston. And before Jameis Winston went down with his injury, I thought Jameis Winston was on his way to becoming a short-term answer for the New Orleans Saints at the quarterback position. Not only that, look at his development with Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, when he came into the NFL, he was undrafted. He got picked up by the Packers. The Packers let go of Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill goes to New Orleans, and look at what Sean Payton was able to do with Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is not a great pocket passer. And here Sean Payton is with Taysom Hill, He has him starting at quarterback, and the Saints are able to win football games. That season when Teddy Bridgewater had to take over for Drew Brees, when Drew Brees got injured, that season, Teddy Bridgewater was 5-0 in the absence of Drew Brees. So when you look at Sean Payton and how he's able to develop quarterbacks and have a great relationship with his quarterbacks, even quarterbacks who – from an ability standpoint, are not very good, you got to feel good as a Broncos fan and have Russell Wilson play at a high level. His total QBR was 37. That was ranked 27th in the NFL when it comes to quarterbacks. He had 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That touchdown-to-interception ratio was ranked 25th in the NFL rankings when it comes to quarterbacks. He completed 61% of his passes. That was ranked 30th in the NFL. And I look at this Broncos team overall. They got Jerry Judy. You got Courtney Sutton as well at receiver. They got weapons. So the way that Russell Wilson struggled this year is unacceptable. And I look at what Russ has been able to do in his career. The man has been a starting quarterback 11 seasons in the NFL. Nine of those 11 seasons, his team has had a winning record. The last two years, Russell Wilson, his football teams have struggled. And this past year, Geno Smith had a better season than Russell Wilson did. Geno Smith. And look at what Pete Carroll was able to do with Geno. Now they're looking to sign Geno Smith to a possible two- or three-year deal, and he's the answer right now in Seattle. And Pete Carroll and that Seahawks organization, their decision to trade Russell Wilson was brilliant. What a great decision by that organization. They realized that the money that that Russell Wilson was demanding and wanting, he wasn't worth anymore. He wasn't worth anymore. And if I'm Sean Payton, I believe that the Denver Broncos – winning formula the next year, their winning formula needs to be running the football and playing great defense. That's what their formula is going to have to be for them to be contenders in the AFC West. You look at what they were able to do last year, defense was not their problem at all. Last year, the Broncos, they ranked sixth in total yards given up per game, and They only gave up 334 total yards per game. Also, they were good against the run. They only give up 110 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 10th in the NFL. And they get off the field on third down as well. They get off the field on 34% of their third down plays. That's ranked second in the NFL. So defensively, this Broncos team is a good football team. I like some of the pieces that this team has defensively. Defensively, you got Pat Sertan, you got Jonathan Harris, DJ Jones up front. At linebacker, you got Baron Browning, Alex Singleton as well. In the secondary, you got Sertan, like I spoke spoke about a few minutes ago. You got Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson. So I like this Denver Broncos defense. And offensively, you, you got Murray. You got Edmonds at running back. Judy Sutton. Kendall Hinton as well at receiver. So there is no excuses for Wilson moving forward. Now that Sean Payton is in Denver, there are no excuses for Russell Wilson to struggle next season. None. Now they're going to, they're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You got the Chargers as well. They just brought on Kellen Moore. I'm going to talk about him here in a minute. They got Kellen Moore, they got Justin Herbert as well, still. And then in the in Las Vegas, it's a possibility that the Raiders may trade for Aaron Rodgers. So they're in a in, in a in a division where the Chiefs have been the kings of the AFC West. But if the Broncos want to have any chance at competing for the Super Bowl, they're going to need Russell Wilson to elevate his game and get back to playing at a high level. You look at what the Broncos' recent moves, what they've done. They traded five picks for Russell Wilson. They signed Wilson to a $245 million extension. They brought on Sean Payton. So Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are the two men who are going to be given the responsibility to help the Denver Broncos get back to the playoffs. The only team that has a longer playoff drought Then the Denver Broncos is the New York Jets. Broncos haven't been back to the playoffs since they won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. That's the last time the Broncos made the postseason. So, you know, I like this move bringing in Sean Payton. Again, when I look at the most proven NFL head coaches, it's Andy Reid, it's Bill Belichick, it's Mike Tomlin. Sean Payton is a part of that. Conversation as well. Somebody commented said, "John Harbaugh, you could throw John Harbaugh in there as well as a proven NFL head coach." But I like Sean Payton and how he can elevate the quarterbacks that he has in his room. I think it's a good fit, and I think it's a perfect, perfect destination for Sean Payton. And you know, Russell Wilson had to sign off on the Broncos bringing on Sean Payton. This ain't a deal that the Broncos make without the consent given from Russell Wilson. So expectations are going to be at an all-time high for Russ and the Broncos next season. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should follow Wise Guys on Instagram at TheseGuysNoSports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss the Houston Texans hiring the Michael Ryans as their new head coach. I'll be right back. It
0: is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports. They're live on the World Sports Network. Everybody go follow wise guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore weights. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Great, great show. Let's transition to Houston and let's discuss the Houston Texans. They hired D'Amico Ryans, he's the former defensive coordinator in San Francisco for the 49ers. The deal is for six years, sources told, ESPN's Adam Schefter. So D'Amico Ryans will be officially introduced as the franchise six full-time head coach. That happened earlier today. And the Texans, they become the first team in NFL history to have hired three consecutive black coaches. So, my immediate reaction to the Texans hiring D'Amico Ryans was, I love this for D'Amico Ryans. I believe that D'Amico Ryans earned this head coaching opportunity that he's been given by the Houston Texans. I look at what D'Amico Ryans was able to do as the defensive coordinator for the 49ers this past season, that 49ers defense was the best in the NFL. They were top five in three out of five major categories defensively. They only gave up 319 total yards per game. That was ranked first in the NFL. They gave up 78 rushing yards per game. That was ranked second in the NFL. And they gave up 16 points per game which was ranked first in the NFL, as well. This was all while being led by defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. And I believe that he earned his job. And he, he already previously played in that Houston Texans organization. He has, I believe, the second most tackles in franchise history for the Houston Texans. He was the 49ers defensive coordinator, since 2021. He was a line inside linebackers coach, 2018 through 2020. And as a player, he won NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, two-time Pro Bowl player, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. So D'Amico Ryans knows his football. And I think this was a home run hire for the Houston Texans as well. And what also gives me clarity and stability for D'Amico Ryans the fact that the Houston Texans gave him six years. The previous two head coaches in Houston, the Houston Texans never intended to keep them on board as their long-term answer at head coach. David Cully and Lovey Smith, they were never intended on being retained in Houston as their long-term answer at head coach and I didn't like the fact that the Houston Texans basically hired David Cully and hired Lovey Smith just to fire them they had no intentions of keeping them on board but they they hired them just to say, hey we have a black head coach in place, but if you haven't given a head coach a long-term contract, and giving them the security that they need to be the head coach. Why would we believe that you believe that this is your long-term answer at the head coach position? This six-year deal that the Texans agreed to D'Amico with D'Amico Ryans, this gives Ryans security, and this gives him an ability to come into Houston and change the culture and draft them a quarterback, whether it's C.J. Stroud, whether it's Bryce Young, and he'll have a quarterback who he can build around and he can help elevate that defense. So this gives Ryan's time to have this football team develop into being a contender. He doesn't have to be great his first year. And I believe that gives him the security that he needs to to be the head coach in Houston. Also, when it comes to NFL football teams, no team in the NFL wants a head coach on their team that no other team wants. I believe the Texans, they wanted D'Amico Ryans also because they knew other teams wanted D'Amico Ryans. It's reported that the Denver Broncos, their first choice for their head coaching position was D'Amico Ryans, not Sean Payton. I'm not sure how true that is, but that's what I heard. And there were other teams who were interested in D'Amico Ryans. It honestly translates to real life and even in dating. Women always say that they don't want a man that they don't want a man that other women want. That's a lie. People love having someone as their partner that they know other people want. It's the same thing when it comes to trying to pick and choose who you want to hire as your head coach of your football team. So I love the fact that they gave him a six-year deal. I love the fact that they chose him because they knew that other teams wanted him as well. And you got to remember this Houston Texas football team last year, they were competitive last year. They almost beat the Dallas Cowboys last year in a game where the Cowboys had to win on a late game-winning drive. So they so they took the the, the Cowboys down to the wire last year and they were in games last year as a football team. Remember last year they Almost beat the Chiefs in week 15. They only lost by six points to the Chiefs in week 15. The previous week is when they almost beat the Cowboys. They lost to the Cowboys 27 to 23. And they beat the Jaguars in week five. And they lost to the the Bears week three, 23 to 20. But they were competitive in a lot of games this past season. Now, again, the number one priority for D'Amico Ryans is he has to draft his future franchise quarterback. Whether it's C.J. Stroud, whether it's Bryce Young, he has to maybe, maybe even like one of these other quarterbacks that's going to be in the draft this year. But he got to develop one of these quarterbacks. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance at being able to compete in the NFL. Look at what happened this past year in the divisional round of the playoffs. Look at the AFC bracket alone. In the AFC, you had Trevor Lawrence, you had Patrick Mahomes, you had Joe Burrow, you had Josh Allen. So in the AFC, specifically in the AFC, you got to have a quarterback to contend. But that's the NFL overall. That's the NFL overall as a whole. So I love this move for the Houston Texans. I love this move for, for D'Amico Ryans. And now that D'Amico Ryans is going to be the head coach and he is secure in his role, I believe now when he comes in, he's going to instantly command respect and he's going to be respected because now players on that football team, they know he's going to be here long-term. See, when previous years when you had Cully, when you had Lovey Smith, you may not get as much respect from the players when they know that you're not going to be around for future seasons to come. Just like they may be gone in the offseason, they also know that their head coach more than likely is going to be gone as well. So you may not get as much respect from your players when you're not secure in your spot as the head coach. Amigo Ryans is going to get his respect from these Houston Texans football players because they know he's going to be the head man in charge for future seasons to come in Houston. So I love this move by the Houston Texans. I think this was the home run hire, and I think this was a great, great move for the Houston Texans and D'Amico Ryans. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram, if these guys know sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss Patrick Mahomes beating Joe Burrow in the AFC championship I'll be right back it's the worldwide sports radio
0: network radio network. Radio network.
1: back to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports, here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Guys underscore weights. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. I know I got a few calls earlier in the show. But I was having some technical difficulties, so I'm running a little behind. So I have to hit all these topics because I was not on air on Tuesday night, not feeling very well, and had a little bit of a cold. So I, I had to postpone the show. But I'm still going to discuss the AFC Championship in the NFC Championship. But um the Super Bowl is going to be next Sunday in Arizona, Chiefs, Eagles. The Kelsey Bowl, we got the Kelsey brothers facing off against each other. And I was listening to Travis Kelsey talk in his presser, and he was talking about how happy he is for his mom because his mom is going to win either way with whatever result happens in the Super Bowl because both of her sons are playing in the Super Bowl. So I was happy to hear that. Obviously, Andy Reid is going to be going up against his former team in the Philadelphia Eagles It's Mahomes, it's Hurts. I'll preview the game next week, but I love the fact that we have this week in between time because we get a chance to, you know, see if Patrick Mahomes and his ankle heals and Jalen Hurts and his shoulder heals as well. So I'm excited for the Super Bowl. But let's recap the AFC championship game played in Kansas City. The Chiefs beat the Bengals 23 to 20 for the Bengals. Joe Burrow went 26 of 41. He had 270 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. T. Higgins had six receptions, 83 receiving yards, one touchdown. Patrick Mahomes, he went 29 of 43. He threw for 326 passing yards, two touchdowns, and MVS. Former Packer, six receptions, 116 receiving yards, one touchdown. So with this playoff win, Patrick Mahomes, he has the most playoff wins before turning 28 in NFL history. He has 10 playoff wins before 28. That's more than Tom Brady with nine and Ben Roethlisberger with eight. So, First and foremost, as I watched the AFC Championship game, I want to talk about the officiating. The officiating was pathetic in the AFC Championship game. And it was a rough weekend for officiating because Sunday evening, as I watched the AFC Championship game and watched how terrible the officiating was, I was just thinking to myself, Like, this is the reason why some people believe the NFL is rigged. I don't believe that. But the officiating was terrible. Remember, this is not even 24 hours removed from the NBA and their pathetic officiating in the Lakers-Celtics game where you have LeBron driving down the lane. He gets hacked by Jason Tatum. It was a clear foul. Clear foul. I'm not an NFL ref. All right, I'm sorry, NBA ref, but I would have been able to see that foul on LeBron James. Celtics and the Lakers go to overtime. The Celtics beat the Lakers in overtime. And not even 24 hours later, I'm watching the AFC Championship game and I'm seeing bad call after bad call. And I'm looking at the game thinking, what the hell was going on? Let's start off with the play that happened when the Chiefs had the ball, it was third down, and the Bengals stopped them on third down. And I'm thinking, okay, it's time for the Chiefs to punt. And Mahomes runs to the sideline, and all of a sudden, a few seconds later, I see Mahomes running back on the field. And they replayed the third down play. And I'm thinking, and I'm sitting there, mind you, I am I live here in the city of Cincinnati, so I'm around Bingo fans who are watching the game, and around family, and I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? What the hell are we doing? How can you replay a play on third down when the play was ran and the play was over with? How can you go back and replay that previous down? It made zero sense. The Chiefs didn't score points on that drive. Thank God. The NFL would have had a major, major problem on their hands. Now the officials said that that they were trying to blow the play dead, but the play had already been ran. And I'm again, I'm watching the game with Bengals fans, and I'm just thinking if this was the Packers, how pissed I would be right now. Where we already, it's hard enough to stop Patrick Mahomes on three downs. You give him a fourth down. But it's not even fourth down, it's actually third down and another opportunity to pick up a first down. It's insane. I hated that play. And then you fast forward to another play, which I had questions about. I didn't like the fact that they called on one of the last possessions for the Bengals. They called intentional grounding on Joe Burrow. But Sam Pirine... Was close to the football. Like, I didn't understand that call at all. I did not understand that call on Sam on Joe Burrow on the intentional grounding penalty because P Ryan was in the vicinity of the football. Made no sense. I did not understand that particular intentional grounding play at all. Now, the last possession of the game for the Chiefs on the when they kicked the game-winning field goal when Mahomes rolled out to his right, that was a late hit on Osai, the linebacker for the Bengals. That was a late hit, and that was the right call. Now, I made a status after the game talking about how, like, you know, I know it's the right call, but I hate games being decided by penalties, even if it's the right penalty. Like, I love when games are decided on the field or on the court and how you perform, not a penalty. But it was the right call. That was a clear, clear penalty on Osai that gave the Chiefs 15 more yards. And Buckner kicked the game-winning field goal for the Chiefs. And they ended up punching their ticket to the Super Bowl. But with all that being said, the Cincinnati Bengals did not lose this game because of the officiating. The Cincinnati Bengals had their opportunities to win this game, ladies and gentlemen. Folks, they had two possessions and a chance to kick a go-ahead field goal or even score a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Unlike Patrick Mahomes, who I'm going to get to here in a bit, Joe Burrow threw two interceptions that were very, very uncharacteristic for Joe Burrow. Threw two bad interceptions in this game. And unlike Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase. He had T. Higgins. He had Hayden Hurst and Joe Mixon in the backfield. So Joe Burrow had his weapons. Ladies and gentlemen, in the fourth quarter of the game, Patrick Mahomes, he didn't have Juju Smith-Schuster. He didn't have Kadarius Toney. He didn't have Mikael Hartman, they all had left the game with injuries. Okay, in the fourth quarter of this game, Patrick Mahomes was throwing to players the names of Sky Moore, Marcus Kemp, MVS, who had his issues in Green Bay, but I like MVS a lot. He had a great performance in this game, but that's who Patrick Mahomes was throwing the ball to in the fourth quarter of this game. The Bengals didn't lose this game because of officiating. The Bengals lost this game because Patrick Mahomes outplayed Joe Burrow. I hear so many excuses from Bengal fans, and I understand the frustrations because, again, the officiating was terrible in the AFC Championship game. But Joe Burrow and the Bengals had their opportunities. They had their chances, and they weren't able to capitalize on their chances and their opportunities. Defensively, I got to give a lot of credit to Chris Jones for the Chiefs. Chris Jones, he was the best defensive player on the field in the AFC Championship game. He only had three tackles, but he had two sacks that he needed for the Chiefs to win this football game. And I thought that Chris Jones, he had an Aaron Donald-like performance in the AFC Championship game. We know Aaron Donald had a dominant performance in the Super Bowl against the Bengals. I thought Aaron Donald should have won Super Bowl MVP. I thought Chris Jones put on that type of performance. And I said he was one of the impact players going into the AFC Championship game. With all that being said, Patrick Mahomes had a great performance on one leg. I thought Mahomes was sensational in this game considering what he was working with. Again, the receivers that he had to work with in the fourth quarter, they weren't the receivers who were top 2 or 3 on the depth chart coming into the season. No Hartman, no Tony, no Juju Smith-Schuster, and Patrick Mahomes made these receivers that he played with, he made them good enough. To be able to beat a Bengals team that from top to bottom is more complete than the Chiefs are. When you look at the Bengals and the Chiefs rosters, the Bengals have a more complete football team than the Chiefs do. They also have a better running game than the Chiefs do. In this game, the Chiefs had 42 rushing yards. 42 rushing yards. I heard all the NFL analysts. And ESPN aficionados on ESPN, on Fox Sports, they talked about coming into the game how the Chiefs have to establish the running game with Isaiah Pacheco. And they got to win the line of scrimmage. And they didn't even have 50 yards rushing in this game. And Mahomes still was able to overcome the lack of a running game. And I look at what Patrick Mahomes has done in his career in the postseason. This is Patrick Mahomes' playoff career all-time ranks. His pass rating is 106.1. That's ranked first. He has 326 total yards per game. That's ranked first. He's completed 67% of his passes in the postseason. That's ranked first. His passing touchdowns per game is 2.5 which is also ranked first. His touchdown-interception ratio is 4.57, which is also ranked first. This is among quarterbacks with 12 starts in the postseason. So Patrick Mahomes is sensational in the playoffs. Let's go over Patrick Mahomes in his career as a starter since he's been the starting quarterback in Kansas City. His first year starting, one NFL MVP, 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and if it wasn't for an offsides penalty, he would have gotten the Chiefs to the Super Bowl in his first season as a starter. You, 2019, he won the Super Bowl against the 49ers. The man overcame a 10-point deficit in the Super Bowl. He won Super Bowl MVP. and. He was great in 2019 and 2020. He made the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They came up short in that game. But he made the Super Bowl in 2020. And then last year, he made the AFC Championship game. Every single year, he makes the AFC Championship. They might as well rename the AFC Championship the Patrick Mahomes Invitational because he's been in the AFC Championship game Every single year since he's been the starter in Kansas City. And in this year, he's going to be playing against Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles have a more complete team than the Chiefs as well. But because the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, they got a legit chance to win another Super Bowl. And I can't say enough about the job that Patrick Mahomes has done since he's been the starter in Kansas City. And he's, he's on a path to becoming the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, I know Tom Brady just retired yesterday, and we know how accomplished Tom Brady is. And Tom Brady winning seven Super Bowls is something that we're not going to ever see happen again. So I'm not going to hold Patrick Mahomes to that standard. The one thing that Mahomes has over Brady is his talent. Patrick Mahomes is significantly more talented than Tom Brady ever was. And I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. I'm a Packers fan. But even I can't deny the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. This dude is on another level, and he's different. He is different on one leg. One leg. That last play for the Chiefs before the penalty on Osai, That last play, on one leg, Mahomes was able to roll out the pocket on the right side and get to the first down marker. And in that moment, that's where quarterbacks who are good become great. And quarterbacks who are great become legendary. And Mahomes made a legendary play on that third down. Because I think he he gave he gave the Chiefs everything he could for them to win that football game. And I think he knew if the game would have went to overtime, the odds would have been more in the favor of the Bengals winning than the Chiefs. The longer you play on a bum ankle, it, it's harder to, to to continue to produce. And I think that he knew he had to get this game home in regulation for the Chiefs for them to have a chance to win the game. I think the longer the game went, if the game would have went to overtime, I think that would have been advantage Bengals. But again, Mahomes was sensational. He was great. And now he gets two weeks to heal that ankle injury. And I expect him to be close to 100% for the Super Bowl. I really, really do. But when I look at the Bengals and I look at them and their season being over with, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be competing for Super Bowls for the next 10 to 15 years because Joe Burrow has completely changed the culture in Cincinnati. You look at the Bengals postseason history. This is before Joe Burrow arrived. They were five and 14. They won 26% of their games. They had two conference championship appearances and that 26% win percentage was the worst in NFL history. Through the 2020 season. Once Joe Burrow arrived in Cincinnati, the last two years, the Bengals are five and one in the playoffs. They win 83% of their games, and they have back-to-back conference championship game appearances. The culture has officially changed in Cincinnati. It really, really has. And I know Joe Burrow had a rough game with the two interceptions, but Joe Burrow usually plays well in big moments, in big games, even dating back to his days at LSU. So the Bingo fans, they, they have nothing to be ashamed of. The Bengals are going to be back next year. They're going to have to make some decisions on a few players, Hayden Hurst, Jesse Bates defensively, but the Bengals are going to be competing and contending in the AFC North and in the AFC for future seasons to come. They're going to be fine. They're they're going going to be a good football team next season. They still got Jamar Chase. They still got Tyler Boyd. And I thought Tyler Boyd leaving this game was also key because once Tyler Boyd left the game, the Chiefs doubled Jamar Chase and T Higgins. So I thought the Bengals losing Tyler Boyd hurt them as well in the AFC Championship game. It really, really hurt them. Tyler Boyd went out with an injury, and I thought – That hurt the Bengals because the Chiefs were able to key in on Chase and Higgins. But that play that Jamar Chase made, that fourth and sixth play that got the Bengals down close to the goal line against the Chiefs, that was a big-time play. And Jamar Chase in this game, he had six receptions, 75 receiving yards. That was a big-time play. And Jamar Chase, he has been great the last two years in the postseason for the Bengals. And a lot of people are talking about, okay, like, and I'm going to close up on this. People are talking about, like, the Bengals, they were trash-talking the Chiefs before the game. We saw Mike Hilton talking about we going to Burrowhead next week. And it was a lot of trash-talk between these two teams. But the Bengals were definitely trash-talking. I had no issue with it. I had no issue with the Bengals trash-talking because – This was a close football game throughout. It ain't like the Chiefs blew out the Bengals. This was a close game throughout and if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes and his greatness making something out of nothing, this game was going to overtime. The Bengals showed up in this game. The Chiefs didn't dominate the Bengals and in their last four matchups, the Bengals had beaten the Chiefs. So, Hell yeah, the Bengals are confident going into an AFC championship game because they just previously beat the Chiefs in their house in Arrowhead in the AFC championship game the year prior. So, yes, the Bengals had a right to be confident and and to trash talk the Chiefs. I love to trash talk. Don't bother me one bit. That's what sports is all about. So I didn't have no problem with the Bengals trash talking. Again, they they backed it up because they only lost by three points. They lost by three points in this game. But they are going home, and it's going to be the Chiefs and the Eagles and the Super Bowl next week. I'm going to talk about the NFC Championship out of the break. I'll be right back.
0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: The wise guys, these guys know sports. Here live on the World Sports Network. Everybody remember go and follow wise guys on Twitter at Wise Guys. I know also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial, Anything you want to talk about? Any particular topic that you want to discuss? We can call in and we can talk about it on the show tonight. Let's transition to the NFC Championship game. It's Fly Eagles Fly. And I want to play something real quick before I get into this topic. I want to I want to play a song that that for, for, for Philadelphia Eagle fans and their their fan base. I want to play something real quick because everybody know what song I'm about to play when I play this. But this is the best song I could play right now when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Nightmares the Philadelphia Eagles beat the San Francisco 49ers 31 to 7. The Eagles advance to their fourth Super Bowl, it's their first Super Bowl appearance since winning the Super Bowl in 2018. That's a great, great intro song. Meek Mill got some of the best intro songs in, in, in rapping history. Like, I love Meek Mill's intro songs. But let's talk some football, and let's talk about the statistics in this game. For the 49ers, Josh Johnson replacing Brock Purdy. He went 7 of 13. He threw for 74 rush or passing yards. Purdy in short action, 4 for 4, 23 passing yards. For the Eagles, Jalen Hurts went 15 of 25. He threw for 121 passing yards in this game. So – My initial reaction as I watched the NFC Championship game, the thought that came to my mind was sadness. Because coming into this game, I thought that the NFC Championship game was going to be a classic. I look at the 49ers and the Eagles, I believe they are both evenly matched football teams. I mean, the receivers in this game, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle for the 49ers, for the Eagles, You got A.J. Brown. You got Devontae Smith. You got Darius Goddard, the tight end. And the 49ers at running back, they got Christian McCaffrey. And the Eagles, they got running back by committee, Sanders, Scott. You know, we got Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. Nick Sirianni versus Kyle Shanahan. We know how great Sirianni has been his first season as head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. I was excited for the NFC Championship game coming into the game because I thought it was going to be a classic. I thought it was going to be an evenly matched football game. And it was hard for me to pick when I did my prediction for this game. I picked the Eagles to beat the 49ers, but it wouldn't have surprised me if the 49ers had beaten the Eagles Sunday afternoon in Philadelphia. And seeing what happened in the first quarter of the NFC Championship game to Brock Purdy, I was sad because as I watched the game, I'm looking at the 49ers. Players on the sideline. I'm looking at George Kittle. I'm looking at Debo Samuel, Ayuk, McCaffrey, and even the defense. I'm looking at them, and I'm. They and I just looked at their body language, and they were just. It's like they were just thinking as the NFC Championship game was being played. They were thinking like, "Damn, we got this far," and quarterback has been an issue for the 49ers all season long. Because of injuries. In week two, they lost Trey Lance to a season-ending injury. They lost Jimmy Garoppolo as well earlier in the season. And then you see Brock Purdy in the first quarter on a hit from my sign Reddit for the Philadelphia Eagles. You see Brock Purdy go down with the elbow injury. And you could tell ASAP that, man, there's something serious going on here. because. They brought in Josh Johnson, and this is the NFC Championship game. Josh Johnson hasn't taken a snap all season long. And we know how good Brock Purdy has been since he's taken over as the quarterback for the 49ers. He gave them the best chance to win the NFC Championship game considering the circumstances and had already lost Trey Lance and Jimmy G. And to see Brock Purdy go down in the first quarter, I was sad for the 49ers, and I was sad as a fan because I want to see mano-a-mano me versus you in the NFC Championship game for the rights to go to Arizona and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I want both teams to be 100% healthy. And once Brock Purdy went down with the elbow injury, the 49ers were at a significant disadvantage in this game. And I thought the rest of the game the 49ers they didn't play with with intensity you know they didn't have the energy anymore again it's like it's like the entire energy on the 49ers sideline once Purdy got injured it was gone it was gone and and Kyle Shanahan he has to be thinking as a head coach here we go again and before Tom Brady announced his retirement yesterday. I was thinking after the NFC Championship game, Sunday night and early Monday morning, I was thinking Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, they got to get on the phone with Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. They got to do that because they have a complete football team. This team has Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Defensively, they're loaded. They got Fred Warner. They got Nick Bosa up front. They got Arik Armstead. In the second year, they got Hufunga. They got Tadarius Ward. The 49ers are one of the more complete football teams in the NFL. The only thing that the 49ers are missing is a reliable, good quarterback. He doesn't even have to be great. They just need a good quarterback. So I was thinking, like, man, they have to – take a swing, a big swing, this offseason and try to acquire a veteran quarterback the likes of a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers. Again, this was prior to Tom Brady announcing his retirement. So I was just sad for the 49ers overall. And now there were reports that Brock Purdy is going to be a minimal of six months that he's going to be out. And you don't know of Trey Lance, how, how effective he's going to be once he returns back to the field next season. And the 49ers, I look at their window. They are a physical football team. George Kittle and Debo Samuel, they don't run around you. They run through you. I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. They are the most physical football team in the NFL. I don't think that their shelf life Is going to be something they can depend on for the next five or six years. I think the 49ers have maybe, maybe the next two years to contend for a Super Bowl because at some point you got to think that George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey has been injury prone in his career. You got to think that at some point these players are going to break down. So their Super Bowl window is now, right now. And I would think about seriously considering trying to get my hands on Derek Carr. Aaron Rodgers is their best option at this point now, but the Packers already said they're not trading Aaron Rodgers in the NFC. You have to have some stability at the quarterback position. Kyle Shanahan already said they're not going to bring back Jimmy G, but the Philadelphia Eagles, they are a great, great football team. And I thought Jalen Hurts, He didn't play a great game, but he did just enough for the Eagles to win this game. Jalen Hurts, 15 of 25, 121 passing yards, 72.2 passer rating, 39 rushing yards, one touchdown. You could tell that he's still trying to recover from that shoulder injury. He's not all the way 100% yet, but Jalen Hurts is the leader of this Philadelphia Eagles football team. And the way that Jalen Hurts has elevated his game, you can make a legitimate argument for if Aaron Rodgers is traded this offseason, you can make an argument for Jalen Hurts being the best quarterback in the NFC. Seriously, the Philadelphia Eagles would not be where they currently are if they didn't have Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts and his development from last year to this year is something that I can't say enough about. Like last year, he led the Eagles to the playoffs, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions, over 3,000 passing yards. But they didn't have any expectations last year in the play- playoffs. They didn't have any no expectations. They played the Buccaneers on wild card weekend. They got blew out. They had very, very little expectations last year. This year, with expectations, Jalen Hurts, he led the Philadelphia Eagles to the number one seed in the nfc with a 14 and 3 record and they completely dismantled the giants and the 49ers completely dismantled i remember coming into the playoffs i was saying i'm not sure if this eagles team is going to be able to restart that engine to get to the super bowl considering teams like the giants and the 49ers they had so much momentum going into the playoffs i wasn't sure if the eagles could restart that engine and they've been able to do that in these two home wins in the playoffs. And this year, Jalen Hurts, as a starter, this was before the NFC Championship. The Eagles under Jalen Hurts, 15-1. They averaged 29 points per game, 392 total yards per game, 164 total rushing yards per game, 34 rushing touchdowns. So under Jalen Hurts, this team is complete, but they also can run the football with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. The Eagles, they became the first team in NFL history to have three players with two rushing touchdowns in a single postseason. Jalen Hurts has two rushing touchdowns, Miles Sanders has two rushing touchdowns, and Boston Scott has two rushing touchdowns as well. And on the outside, they got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And I think that's one of the best receiver tandems that we have in the NFL. I look at them at the same way I view Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and the same way I view Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are big time. In this game, Devontae Smith only had two receptions for 36 receiving yards, A.J. Brown four. But 28 receiving yards, but the game was a was a blowout because of the 49ers' inconsistencies at quarterback. So they didn't have to do very much. I will say this too, when it comes to the game overall, I thought the on the opening possession for the Eagles, that fourth down conversion by the Eagles, that catch by Devontae Smith wasn't a catch. That was a drop. That was an incomplete pass on that opening possession for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I thought Kyle Shanahan dropped the ball by not challenging that play. I thought he dropped the ball there. I really, really thought he should have challenged that play. But you know, you're in Philadelphia. Kevin Hart in the house. Joel Embiid is in the house. Gilly the kid and Wallow they in the house. So you in Philly at Lincoln Financial Field. The crowd's going crazy. They're not going to put the replay in the stadium there. They're not going to put the replay up. You're not going to get a good angle. But I thought Kyle Shanahan not being able to see and not challenging that play obviously completely changed this game. Eagles going to score a touchdown, and game was over at that point. The game was over. I know McCaffrey had a great touchdown run that tied the game up, but the game was over once Brock Purdy got injured and once the 49ers decided not to challenge on that particular play. But this Eagles football team is complete. We know defensively they got one of the best defenses in the NFL, and they always get after the quarterback. I mean, you look at what this Eagles team have defensively. You got Fletcher Cox up front. You got Brandon Graham as well. You got Sweat at linebacker. You got White at linebacker. In the secondary, you got C.J. Gardner-Johnson. You got Darius big-play Slay. So this Eagles football team, Top to bottom, arguably, is the most complete team in the NFL, right alongside the 49ers. That's why I was so excited for the NFC Championship game. But with the injury to Brock Purdy, and even Josh Johnson got injured in the game for the 49ers. With the injuries to their quarterbacks, the game wasn't going to be competitive. I mean, at one point, the 49ers, they had Christian McCaffrey take a snap at quarterback. That tells you everything you need to know about the NFC Championship game. But the Eagles, they were the... Best team throughout the entire season for the first 12 or 13 weeks before Jalen Hurts' injury. And so far, they've been the best team in the postseason. And they're in the Super Bowl, and they have their first opportunity to win another Super Bowl since 2018. And they're the favorites heading into the Super Bowl next Sunday. Everybody go and follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys, underscore weights also on Facebook, WiseGuys. And be sure to follow wise guys on Instagram at TheseGuysKnowSports. Sports. I'll be right back.
0: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports. Here live on the worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore Waits. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at TheseGuysKnowSports. Call to the show. 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. So I was recently just talking about the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship. Excited for the Super Bowl. As we're going to have the Kelsey Bowl, the Chiefs versus the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Definitely excited about that. And also, it's the Andy Reid Super Bowl. So Andy Reid's going to be going up against his former team in the Philadelphia Eagles. So definitely excited about that. But I want to welcome to the show Chiefs insider Steve Willis. What's up, Steve? Hey, what's going on?
2: Glad to be here. And really glad for a great Super Bowl matchup.
1: Definitely, definitely, Steve. So let's get right to it, Steve. Let's talk about the AFC Championship game. The Chiefs beat the Bengals Sunday evening, 23-20. It's the fifth Super Bowl appearance in franchise history for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes punched his ticket to his third Super Bowl in five seasons as being the starter for the Chiefs. So what was your biggest takeaway for the Chiefs' win over the Bengals Sunday night in the AFC Championship game, Steve? Well,
2: not to correct you too hard, but uh, it's actually his third Super Bowl in four years. The only one that he missed was last year out of the last four. But my takeaway from that game was the Kansas City Chiefs' defense. That was my big takeaway. All right. One of the hallmarks of this Super Bowl that we're about to see is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles are the two best sacking teams in the NFL, number one and number two, as far as sacks compiled. Now, the Chiefs have been able to get there with four rushers. And what that means is Steve Spagnola, who is very defense heavy, does not have to. Uh, or very blitz heavy, does not have to blitz very often with that defense. And that really helps out this young secondary because outside of Jer- Legereus Sneed, this secondary is made up of virtually entirely rookies. And yeah. these guys aren't playing like rookies either, as you saw. Trent McDuffie, Cook, these guys are, they're they're just doing a a veteran's job right now. and And they're just doing amazing work. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, obviously, Kansas City was running out of wide receivers. They're dropping yeah. like flies. Coach Andy Reid did say today that all the players are doing great, with the exception of Nicole Hardman, who probably will not make the Super Bowl at this point. He is considered doubtful. But uh, Kadarius Toney and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, are both, they both did the walkthrough today. They did not practice. They're giving the knee and ankle, respectively, a rest. Willie Gay Jr. did say that his shoulder is doing well, so he's going to be in pretty good shape for the Super Bowl. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes said he's doing just fine.
1: Now, Steve, I live here in Cincinnati, and obviously I watched the game with family and friends who are bingo fans, and it was a lot of conversations about the officiating in the AFC Championship game and, honestly, I didn't like the officiating either. Uh, I didn't like the intentional grounding penalty on Joe Burrow. I did see Sam P. Ryan in the vicinity. That last p- penalty that was caught on the side, that late hit on Mahomes was the correct penalty. And then earlier, I didn't like the replay on third down as well. That ran the play. The Bengals had stopped the Chiefs, and then they ran another third down play. And I said earlier on the show, hell, it's hard to stop Patrick Mahomes – on three downs like that's hard within itself what was your thoughts on the officiating in the game
2: let's be perfectly honest
1: uh a fan's judgment of the
2: officiating also depends on the outcome of course the losing team is going to be more critical of the officiating than the winning team but even the kansas city fans believe that the officiating was it was mediocre but not great. Yeah. I will say on the on the third down do-over that controversial third down do-over play, all right? The NFL got it right. But here's the thing that a lot of people aren't thinking about. All right? Because it didn't happen this way, what would have happened if that official that was running in from from the secondary uh waving waving off the the play and blowing his whistle, what if Whoever was covering uh, Marcos Marcus Valdez Scantling at the time gave up on the play because he thought the play was over, and Scantling goes for a 65-yard touchdown through the air from Patrick Mahomes because he completely he's in busted coverage. Yeah, I guaranteed the Cincinnati fans at that point would be screaming about, "Hey, wait a second! Half our defense stopped the stop playing." Absolutely. So at that point, you have to. You have no choice but to stop the play reset started over if if you even think one player heard a whistle and stopped you've given the other team an unfair advantage so really stopping the play is is the the prudent thing to do now mind you the very next play Mahomes got sacked and if it weren't for a defensive holding penalty in the backfield they would have been off the field as far as the hit out of bounds to Patrick Mahomes I mean look it's the rule. Even Osai said afterwards, it was on him. Yeah, he he lost track of where he was. He was in pursuit mode, and he put his hands on Patrick Mahomes and shoved him. Yeah, and and there's the reason why those penalties are there. What if he would have hurt Patrick Mahomes? We would be going into this Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts versus Chad Henney. Yeah. So I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. that's why these these penalties are in place. It sucks that it was the, you know, like the the deciding penalty to move them into field goal position. But at the same time, hey, look, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow threw two interceptions. Yeah. He 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 goes down and scores anything on either of those. And one of them was definitely looked like a scoring drive. But it, he he does anything on either of those. And we're not even talking about this. Which, see, that's why I was
1: going next. Not to cut you off, that's why I was going next. Sure, sure, sure. The Bengals didn't lose this game because of bad officiating. The Bengals lost this game because Mahomes outplayed Burrow because Patrick Mahomes, no Juju Smith-Schuster, no Kadarius Toney, no Miko Hartman, and Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase. He had Higgins. He had Hayden Hurst. Yes, it was some bad officiating calls, but the reason why the Bengals lost the game was because Mahomes outplayed Burrow, finally, because in in their first three matchups, you know, Burrow did outplay Mahomes. On Sunday, Mahomes outplayed Joe Burrow, and that was the difference in the game.
2: It really was. And uh, something to think about, too, the Chiefs actually had more points on the board. There were two two touchdowns, or no, one touchdown and one interception that were taken away due to penalties. So the Chiefs had gripes on penalties, too yeah honestly every flag that i saw thrown was legit you know were there a few missed calls yeah john madden one time said there's holding on every play yeah look it's whether you get caught or not that happens sometimes yeah but but the chiefs won they now have the the monkey of not beating the Bengals off of their back and they're ready to go into what I think is going to be one of the best Super Bowls we've seen in a long time.
1: Now, defensively, Steve, I thought that Chris Jones was the best defensive player on the field. He, he only had three tackles, but he had two very, very important sacks in this game, and he was my most impactful player for the Chiefs going into this game for them to have a chance to win the game. Can you talk about Chris Jones' performance in the AFC Championship game? real quick. Well, Chris Jones is an
2: absolute game
1: wrecker. And and I don't
2: need to tell you that everybody knows that, but his performance in this game was well, it went well beyond the stat sheet. If you go back and look at the all 22, Chris Jones takes up a double team 100% of the time that frees up guys like Colin Saunders, Mike Dana, and even Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap to take one-on-ones. And when you give any of those four guys opportunities for one-on-ones against any offensive lineman, they can win. And Chris Jones fighting off the double teams to still get three tackles, still get two sacks, finally getting that that playoff sack that he's been waiting for. It just speaks to how dynamic of a player he is, and he can line up in any position, right yeah. over the center. He can line up on the end. He can line up out wide. He can stop the run, and he can definitely sack the quarterback, as we saw the last Sunday.
1: Yeah, one more question for you, Steve, before you get out of here. I'm going to definitely bring you back on again next week before the Super Bowl, but talk about the motivating factors for the Chiefs going into this game. I mean, we heard the Bengals players, after their win against the Bills, they were talking about, we're going to Burrowhead, and it was trash talk all week long, and then, in the immediate aftermath of the AFC Championship, you hear Mahomes having his interview with Tracy Wolfson, and then Kelsey comes over, and he he said, and he says, Burrowhead, my ass, like, Burrowhead, my ass, like, what? And I kind of thought, watching and listening to them in the post-game press conference, Steve, I got the (laughs) sense that the Chiefs were motivated given the fact that they had lost the last three matchups to the Bengals and the fact that the Bengals last year in this exact round sent the Chiefs home. I thought the Chiefs were motivated in this game. So that you say what?
2: Well, first of all, all of these players, they, they, they say the right things in the press conference. They always say, well, we don't listen to that stuff. We don't listen to that stuff. They hear every word of it. They hear yeah. absolutely every word. And as far as this game goes, Chris Jones was talking about this game in OTAs this year, talking about how this game last year left a sour taste in his mouth. He left two sacks on the field. He couldn't get to Joe Burrow. He was hoping against anything that they would be able to play the Bengals again. And sure enough, they did. So this game had plenty of, of motivating factors for the Kansas City Chiefs. The fact that they had never beaten Joe Burrow and the Bengals, the fact that the Chiefs are trying to get back uh, to another Super Bowl, the fact that they were actually looked at as being the underdog in this game yeah. um, with 78% of the country picking the Bengals, the Burrowhead comments and the disrespect that the Bengals were were presuming that, that everybody was putting on them, they were kind of deflecting that onto the Chiefs and the Chiefs were absorbing it. And as uh, Carlos Dunlap said after the game, we do our talking on the field. And so there we go. I think the funniest part was when Frank Clark, on the field, had a cigar, and Neil Smith, the Hall of Famer, former uh, Chiefs defensive tackle, lit it for him, and they celebrated.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. He's Steve Willis, the Chiefs insider. Hey, Steve, let everyone know where they can follow you on social media. Well, you can find me absolutely anywhere
2: on social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, uh, at Social Media Steve. Uh, I also have a new podcast coming out here very shortly called the East of Arrowhead podcast and AFC West focused podcast, mostly Kansas city chiefs. I will be covering other things. Obviously the, we have big news in Denver with Sean Payton and uh, you know what the Raiders are going to do for a quarterback with uh, uh, Mr. Carr looking like he's on his way out the door. And of course, you know how the uh, new offensive coordinator is going to shape up in Los Angeles for the Chargers. We're going to we're going to cover all kinds of stuff, but that's that's going to be coming soon to everywhere you hear podcast.
1: Mahomes, he had 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, over 5,000 passing yards. More than likely he's going to win the NFL MVP. He made his third Super Bowl in four seasons and he's been in the AFC Championship game every year he started. They might as well rename the AFC Championship game the Patrick Mahomes Invitational. Talk about how he was able to wheel his team in this game, considering he didn't have a Miko Hartman, a Kadarius Toney, or a Juju Smith Schuster.
2: Well, a lot of it is belief. And that's yeah. that's the one thing you're gonna hear around the Chiefs facilities believe. They they believe in Patrick Mahomes, they believe in Andy Reid, they believe in that system, and they believe in each other. When yes. you come into the Kansas City Chiefs locker room, nobody looks at somebody else and points fingers. They they all believe that that it is on them to be a part of something greater. And even with the personalities they bring in, they, they, they check their ego at the door and that's, what's really the most important. Every one of these players, they do what's best for the overall of the team. And if that means watching a little extra tape doing, you know, a little more in the walkthrough, whatever it, whatever it takes, that's what they do. And, and, I have one thing to add. Obviously, Tom Brady has announced his retirement. One incredible player, probably, you know, the most accomplished quarterback we're ever going to see in our lives. And there is a great debate now about if he's going to be the greatest of all time. And obviously, with Patrick Mahomes doing what he's doing now, they're starting to compare him to Tom Brady and, and people are arguing back and forth. I heard this the other day, and I want to share this with you and all of your listeners, and this was phenomenal. This is a great comparison. If you look at, if you put this in an NBA sense, Tom Brady would be Bill Russell. Patrick Mahomes would be Michael Jordan. Bill Russell was the most accomplished NBA player ever. 11 championships. Nobody's ever going to get that many championships. But Michael Jordan, easily the most talented NBA player to ever grace the court and i i feel like that comparison was perfect tom brady all of his rings you'll never see that again he's definitely bill russell patrick mahomes michael jordan
1: i agree i like there's no quarterback in their first 5 seasons as a starter has been able to do what patrick mahomes has done so i agree with you man the the path that he's on he's on a path to be arguably the greatest of all time. And he's he's definitely more talented than Brady ever was. He may not get seven Super Bowls, but he's more talented than Tom Brady ever was as a quarterback. Steve, I appreciate you joining me tonight on Wise Guys Sports. I'm going to bring you on again next week, and we're going to preview the Super Bowl matchup. Absolutely. Be glad to do it. Thanks, Steve, man. Enjoy your night. Thank you. Hey, Steve Willis. He joined me here on the Wise Guys Sports. So go and follow Steve on all social media platforms. And he's definitely, definitely going to be giving us a lot of ins- insider information on the Chiefs during offseason and for next season as well. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys know Sports. A weekend with no football. I don't know what I'm going to do this weekend, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm so used to seeing football on the weekends. And it's, we've been in the mix of the playoffs, so I know we got the Pro Bowl, but that, that don't even count. I don't even know if they even play the games anymore. I don't think they even play the games anymore. I don't even care about the Pro Bowl, but we got a great matchup next weekend in Arizona for the Super Bowl on Fox. The Andy Reid Bowl is going to be great for sure. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter, wiseguys__oh, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. I'll be back on next week previewing the Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Have a great weekend, everybody.
0: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.